in the light of the, the three guiding principles that we set out the previous week. And so as all these link together, I just want to go over uh, those guiding principles uh, again from the previous week. Uh, that is God owns everything. And this is the foundation of our thought process when it comes to money, when it comes to resource. God owns everything. Uh, and, and not only does God own everything, but God in his wisdom has made us, people, uh, to be those that have ownership of his property. So we, we thought in our second place that God is the author of private ownership of property. And so that means that what you have is from God. God is the owner, but he blesses us with it. And as that, as we have blessing and provision from it, whether it be it great or be it small, thirdly, God has made us his stewards. We are to look after what God has given us because everything is God's. And so that was the, the foundation. And from that foundation, we want, went on to look at our attitude to money. And to help us get an idea for our attitude to money, we, we asked ourselves three questions last week at the beginning of the service. And we, we asked ourselves the question, what does your heart long for? We asked the question, where is your treasure? And thirdly, we said, do you serve God or money? And you see, where your, what your heart longs for gives you an indication of what's important to you. Where your treasure is gives you an indication of what's important to you. And we know from that passage in God's word, you can either store up treasure in heaven or you can hang on to it here. And treasure in heaven is eternal. And stuff we hang on to here, the moth, rust, it corrupts and it gets stolen. And so our attitude to money is, do we serve God or do we serve money? And maybe you're thinking, I'm, 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 I'm doing something a bit different. I'm going to serve God and I'm going to have a shed load of money and serve money as well. And I'm going to do the two things alongside each other. That can't be wrong, can it? I've used this illustration before, but it's very helpful again uh, Dr. Rosie Crowter, the missionary from Papua New Guinea, who some of you have met, had a picture on one of her slideshows, one of her presentations. And there was a man standing in a river. He was actually standing in a canoe. In fact, he was standing in two canoes. He had his left foot in one canoe and his right foot in the other canoe. And that's fine and it works well when the two canoes are together. But then as the two canoes split with the current it got very painful for that man. And she was making the point that you're either for God or you're for the world. You cannot serve two masters. And so if you're thinking you're clever enough and smart enough to manage those two things together, God's word says you can't. Now God's word doesn't tell you that money is evil. It tells us that the love of money is the root of evil. And so there are Christians who are blessed with lots of money, and it's a responsibility to them. And there's Christians that are blessed with very little money, and that's a responsibility too. But we need a right attitude to God, because a right attitude to God will lead us to a right attitude to money. 
last Sunday evening uh, in our Zoom time when we discussed the service, when we chat about it, when we ask questions, there were some questions that came up with regarding my last point. And the last point was a right attitude to money is achieved by. And it would seem that I could have made those points a bit better. And so I'll try to do that. So our attitude to money is achieved by focusing on contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Great gain is not about money, as I put it last week, but let's focus on contentment. If you want a right attitude to money, focus on contentment. If you want a right attitude to money, focus on eternity. Or as I said last week, money is for life, not eternity. And then focusing on God. Because as we saw from God's word, love of money can keep us from God. Love of money can take us away. Love of money can distract us. And so now we're going to move on this week to the topic of how to get money. It's not wrong to have money. Money is part of our life. Money is something that we need, but we need it in the right way. And so if we have a wrong attitude to God we will probably have a wrong approach of how to get money. So again, the, the, the really important thing here is our attitude to God. Is God our Heavenly Father? Is God our Savior? Because if God is our Heavenly Father, if God is our Savior, that will, that will affect us in how we approach getting money. We want to get our money in a way that pleases our Heavenly Father. We want to get money in a way that pleases our Savior. And so, just underlining that again, our attitude to God is so important when it comes to every step of our life, but particularly in this subject of money, which we are here looking at this morning. And I want to emphasize this with just a short story from the book of Ruth. And I just want to make this point here. The book of Ruth, it starts with a tragedy, doesn't it? It starts with a tragedy of a family who were in their land that had been given to them by God. We have to remember this. This is the backstory where uh, Naomi and her husband were living in Bethlehem was the land that God had given to them and provided for them. It was precious to them. And they were told to to look after this land. And they were told to, to keep in that land. And they were told not to mix with God's enemies. And in God's plan and in God's sovereignty, there is a famine. Now, a famine is real. And a famine is difficult. And that meant there was no food. And, and, and the thing was, there was no food in that land, and, and Bethlehem was known as the place of bread. And there's no food in the place of bread. And so what did this family do? Well, this family decided to work the problem out themselves. They decided that what they would do is move, and move somewhere else so that they could feed themselves. Now, we've got to be careful here, yeah? Because I'm not saying that it's not right to sort yourselves out. But let, let, let's just listen to what goes on here. God had told them not to give up their land. And God had told them not to intermarry with other people. 
And God had told them not to get too close. And so they were actually going against God's revealed will. And in going against God's revealed will, it didn't solve their problem. Initially, they had bread. Initially, they had food. But it didn't solve their problem, and their problem turned into a disaster. And then if you take the story a little later, when they go home, God made provision for the widows. God made provision for those who hadn't got food. And the provision was to go and work and take the gleanings, take the leftovers at the harvest field. In God's laws, he told them to leave the stuff that had fallen. And that was to be left so that the poor, so that those that were vulnerable could go and collect it. And so Ruth went and collected it. And in that reading that we had, she brought back so much that day, it was like the equivalent of two months' pay. A huge amount. And so the picture here is when you do things God's way, that's the way God blesses you. And when you do things your own way, you can't demand God's blessing when you're going against God's way. And so as we look at this subject, as we look at the subject of of getting money, we should be motivated as God's children to do it God's way. And we should be motivated to do it God's way because God is God. He owns it all. He created you. He made you. He is your owner. He knows he is God and he knows what is best. And sometimes we think we know what's best. And we think by us knowing what's best, we take a course of action and it turns out horribly, horribly wrong for us. And when we do the thing that seems wrong and seems counter-culture or counter-good common sense, counter our own, we know what is best, God blesses and God cares for us. Because the way of blessing is the way of obedience. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And so as we're looking at this subject of getting money, we should be motivated to do it God's way because he is God, he knows what is best, and he, this is his way is the way of blessing. And the Bible is not silent on the matter of how we get money. We've seen that right at the very beginning. God's word is full of reference and advice and wisdom on money. And actually how to get it is full of uh, information, advice, rules, regulations, encouragements, exhortations of how to get money. Now, I've tried to break down how to getting money into three main ways. Okay, now there's probably lots more than the three ways, but I want to just help us here with three main ways. You can be gifted money, and I've added to this, without any obligation. We'll come back to that in a moment. You can earn it legitimately, you can earn it legally, you can earn it righteously, you can earn it fairly, or alternatively, You can take it or earn it illegitimately or unfairly or unrighteously or illegally. Okay, so there's three main ways. It's a gift, it's earned correctly, or it's earned or taken in 
correctly. And so just very quickly, I, I want to start with a gift without any obligation. And I had to emphasize without any obligation. Because a gift with an obligation is not a gift. Yeah? We're all, we're all with me on this. In England, we have a saying, there's no such thing as a free dinner. If someone gives you a, a, a free dinner, you know that they're going to be asking for something. Yeah? And so it's not really a free dinner. It's, it's a nice way to introduce a deal. I want something. And so, friends, a bribe is not a gift. Yes? It's a transaction going on. I give you this, you give me that. So a bribe is not a gift. A present from a sugar daddy or a sugar mummy, I thought that would get a nervous giggle, is not a gift. It comes with obligations. Not necessarily written out in a contract, but it will come with obligations. School fees being paid by a Yahoo boy or a Yahoo girl, or a mafia man, or whatever you want to call them, is not a gift. There's an obligation. We're going to come on to those obligations later. So I just want us to concentrate here on a true gift. A, a true gift. Because these other, these other ones will come up later when we're thinking about earning things incorrectly. An inheritance is a gift. It's passed down through families, through generations. It happened throughout God's generation, passed on to another generation. An inheritance is a gift. A birthday present is a gift. Unless it's from a stingy friend who's hoping for a good one back. And then you have to be a bit careful about that. But generally speaking, birthday presents, wedding presents, that kind of thing, it's someone's love being shown to you, and it's a gift. And, and it's no strings attached. They don't come to you and say, well, I, I gave you that gift, now can you... No, it's, 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 it's a gift. And, and when school fees are being paid by parents or sponsors, we can see that as a gift. Now, true gifts are fine. True gifts uh, are something we should be thanking God for because God is the giver of gifts. And God is the, the, the greatest example of being a gift giver because God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And so giving of gifts and receiving of gifts is good. And God is the greatest giver of gifts. And even though we may think that our house or our finance or our degree is great gifts from God, the greatest gift that we have from God is eternal life through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so true gifts, gifts that come without strings attached, gifts that come as a blessing from loved ones. The gifts that are normally a really pleasant surprise, we can thank God for them. And it's good, clean, honest money, asset, something that God has given to us, and we can thank God for it. But before we just move on, I want us just to sort of think about something here. Gifts are normally a bit of a surprise, aren't they? Yeah? So you shouldn't be making your financial plans on getting a gift. 
Yeah? But that's not good sound financial planning. And, and I want to give an example of this. There was a, an organization that I was asked to help out with in England, a charitable concern. And because I was involved in finance, they wanted me to help on their, their financial side. And so I was given this great big financial report to read through and, and, and make comment on. And as I was looking at their budget for the next year, they were looking at their income coming in. And they had this column for legacies. Now, a legacy is what you get when someone has died. And so when we were around this big boardroom, I said, uh, how many of your supporters are going to die next year? And, and they said, well, we don't know. And I said, well, how do you know you're going to get this money? And, and so the point is this. Yeah, it, it, you cannot guarantee a gift. And so if you are optimistically thinking, all my troubles are going to be resolved when I receive this gift from this uncle or this auntie, you cannot make sound, righteous financial planning decisions on that. When it comes in, it's in your bank account, praise God and enjoy it and use it wisely. And don't ever borrow money thinking that uncle's going to give you some when he's never promised to give you it. Because that's only going to let somebody else down. So, moving on from gifts, which we can thank God for. I want us to think, secondly, about how money can be earned legitimately. How money can be earned legitimately. How money can be earned righteously. How money can be earned fairly, in a godly way. And I'm afraid, in some ways, it's not very exciting. But it's very truthful. You can work. If you want money, you need to work for it. Now, immediately you're probably saying, I can't get work in Cyprus. Park that for a moment. We're going to come back to it. Let's look at this principle from God's word. You see, we were made to work. Some people sort of almost wrongly say that work came in after the fall. No, before the fall, when Adam and Eve were perfect, before sin entered into the world, Adam and Eve were given work to do. They were given a role to do. They had a purpose to, in their life, and that was work. And God created people to work. Work is God's plan for people, Genesis 2.15. Then the Lord took man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. God the boss gave Adam, the worker, a job to do. And his job was to cultivate and keep this. And as a reward from keeping this, he could eat the fruit and he could eat the harvest apart from one tree. He was told not to eat that tree. That wasn't part of his wages. That wasn't part of the deal. That was out of it. And we know what happened, don't we? The devil came in. Eve listened. The man, Adam, didn't protect. They took of the fruit. They ate it. And everything changed. And so work, which was a gift, became something that's become cursed. Now, work isn't a curse. Work has become cursed. There's a difference, yeah? So work, work is a gift from God. But because of the sin of this world, it has had a curse upon it. And, and we read of this curse in Genesis chapter 3, uh, verse 17 through to 19. And it said, uh, you shall not eat of it. That's the ground. It's, it's cursed because uh, in your pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat 
that by the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken, and for dust and to dust you shall return. It's by hard work that we earn a living. And right back then, suddenly Adam's work became harder. There were thorns, there were thistles, they weren't there before. It was by the sweat of his toil that he could eat bread, that he could provide for his family. And and most of you here will not be working on the land. Most of you here don't know the the, the problems that thorns and thistles can give, but there are modern-day equivalents of thorns and thistles. Has your computer ever crashed? Yes. The day's turned upside down, isn't it? It's a modern-day thorn or thistle. Have you ever been in a, in a queue for bureaucracy in Cyprus and, and just one little piece of paperwork takes days to get? That, that's, that's our modern-day equivalent of thorns and syphil, uh, thistles. You've got stressy bosses, stressy customers, managers, unrealistic expectations, IT problems, internet crashing, regulation, compliance, red tape. And so all these things are like the modern-day thistles and thorns that make work difficult. But work being difficult doesn't mean you say, oh, don't do it. The only way that God has really prescribed for you and I to get money is by the sweat of our brow. Work is how you gain money, because that's the way God set it out. And and he set it out very clearly. There's a correlation in the Old Testament between work and eating. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread, Adam. Yeah, if you don't sweat, you don't get bread. Or if you take it to the New Testament, in 2 Thessalonians and 3, Paul is speaking to these Thessalonians in verse 10, and he says, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. That's a bit harsh, isn't it? That's, that's, That's straight down the line. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. So if you're complaining about not being able to eat, then the answer is work. Now, yes, I know there's a million reasons why you can't. We're going to come to those in a moment. But this is God's principle. You see, he also went on to say that some of you walk in idleness. Not busy at work, but busybodies. I'm sure some of you have worked with that type of person. The person that comes into work and does nothing. Is always talking. Or is always on their phone. And you see, these verses don't just tell us that if we are to eat, we have to work. But it's actually saying, as Christians, you should be some of the best, hardest workers there are. Because as Christians, we should not be lazy. As Christians, we should not be busybodies. We should go there and we should work hard. And we should go there and we shouldn't get caught up in the office politics. We shouldn't get caught up in all the, 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 the problems and the challenges. We should get on with the work that's being put in front of us. But friends, our potential now to be busybodies has quite literally gone viral. Yeah? I'm sure you've been in a situation where someone in the shop has been serving you and suddenly they've been distracted. And it's not their manager that's come by, it's a little ping in their pocket 
or probably their phone is there in front of them because the umbilical cord is attaching them to it and they can't be too far away from it. And, and, and they're looking and, no, it's me. I need some money out of the bank, please. Oh, no, please. Busybodies. Busybodies with things outside and about. And, and friends, if you are in a work situation, your boss has paid for your time. And unless you are trading something on your phone and you've asked, been told to do that, your phone shouldn't be getting in the way. Your Twitter account's a gossip account, most probably. You might not be gossiping, but you might be following the gossip, which is just as bad as gossiping. King Hezekiah was a king who worked hard. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 31 and verse 21, it tells us this, he, he, that every work that he undertook in the service of the house of God in accordance with the laws and the commands of seeking God, he did with all his heart and prospered. Now, that, that root word there, prospered, at the end means like he has a breakthrough, Yeah. He has, he has a breakthrough. He has prospered. Now, prospering doesn't necessarily mean you get large amounts of money. It means that God is looking after you. God is taking care of you. And we all like this idea of prospering, don't we? We all like the idea of God taking care of us. But we have a duty and a responsibility. God isn't a fairy godmother who just dangles his wand and says, there, be happy, there, be happy, there, have more money, there, have fullness of jollof rice. God doesn't work like that. God has told us to work. And he says here, do it with all your heart. Get involved with it with all your heart. Get involved with it. Now don't let your heart get taken away from God. No. But let's work hard. You see, the principle is this, that God blesses hard work. And working is a privilege. And working is a responsibility from God. And and, and working is something that God has given us. And so what are the things that stop us from working? And immediately I can hear and feel in your minds, you cannot get work in Cyprus. Let's park that for a moment. Yeah? Because maybe, just maybe sometimes, what stops us from work is laziness. Or putting our comfort first. Yeah? Now, there may not be executive jobs in the bank in Cyprus for you. I grant it. There may not be the particular job that you are becoming qualified to do. I understand that. But there's brothers and sisters in this room who can testify there is work for those who want to get it. There's work for those who are willing to go out and get it. And I'm not going to pretend it's not difficult. I'm not going to pretend it's not hard. I've known brothers and sisters who've kept themselves solvent by scrubbing cow hooves. It's work. And it kept them legal and legitimate and from sinning on the island. And there's brothers and sisters who've worked under the harsh, hot summer sun here, and they've earned money. Maybe not lots of money, maybe not even good money, but they've earned enough money 
to keep them from sinning and to keep them righteous, and God has honored them through it. You see, sometimes, friends, our own comfort, maybe our laziness, tell us we can't get work. Proverbs has got a lot to say about the lazy. In Proverbs 18, verse 9, he said, Also, he also who is slack in work is the brother to him who destroys. Laziness causes huge problems. In chapter 20, verse 4, it said, The sluggard does not plow after the autumn. The autumn times when it should, the land should be plowed. It was hard work. And it's hard work that didn't pay itself back until the springtime. And the sluggard says, Can't be bothered with this. And so what happens? In the harvest time, when everyone else has got plenty, they have to go around begging because they have nothing. Laziness will leave you hungry and it destroys you. And laziness on this island invariably leads to sin. Because you need money. And if you're not going to do it God's way, if you're going to do it the lazy way, the lazy way, more often than not, is the sinful way. There's a very helpful book called Crazy Lazy. I think the, uh, the, the book club read it last year. I think that's right, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to post that on WhatsApp and in e-form, and you can, it's only very short. You could read it this afternoon, and it will be a blessing to you. Now, in this world that we're in now, and because of the economic situation we're in, unemployment is a harsh reality. Youth unemployment in Turkey is 22%. In, in Cyprus, it, it runs, this is the south side, I don't know the, the north. They have issued statistics, but in the south, it's 16%. South Africa, 66.5% unemployment. My favorite country in Africa now is Burundi. Less than 1% unemployment there. Now, I'm trying to look if your face is shocked or not, whether that's a surprise to you or not. But unemployment is a reality, yeah? And unemployment on the island is a reality. And many of you have been sold the fact, come to the island and you can work and you can get your degree. And you come to the island and you can get your degree, but you can't work. Yeah? All these jobs that were there that your agent told you about is not there. They're not looking for IT consultants on every street corner. They're not wanting bankers and finances on every street corner. It's just not like that. And so, yes, I realize that this is a harsh lesson for us because unemployment can be real. Unemployment is outside our control. And unemployment can be a real trial to the believer who wants to work. And if you're a believer who wants to work, you're doing what God wants you to do. This is good. So, so, so what, what do we have to say about this? Well, we have to ask ourselves some hard questions. Are you chasing the wrong job? If, if you think that you are going to become a CEO of a multimedia company in North Cyprus, it's, it's not going to happen. Yeah? You might be able to become the T-boy or girl of that company in Cyprus. Yeah? So we need to ask, you need to ask yourself the question, are you chasing the wrong job? Are your aspirations further than the reality of what this place has to offer? 
And why is this important? Because if you're not working, if you're not earning money and you need to earn and you need to get it because you're not being gifted it from your parents or your sponsors, then how else are you going to get it? And if you're not doing it legally and righteously, the only other alternative is unrighteously. Maybe you need with help with your CV, your interview skills. Maybe you need to speak to some of the brothers who are great at having contacts on the Sinai and they can put you in, in touch with it. Maybe you just need to take a shave and a wash and make yourself presentable. Are, are you willing to do any job? You see, someone who is employed is far more employable. When I was in, the, the, in, in a working uh, environment... Not that I'm not in a working environment now. I'm working hard, I can assure you. But uh, when I was working formally in, 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 uh, in, in the bank and in financial services, one of my roles was to recruit people. And you'd always look at what they were doing and what they had done. And, and someone who had been regularly employed was far more likely to get a job than someone who had a large gap or wasn't working for the moment or, or some sketchy reason. People that are in work are far more likely to get work. And I know that this has been the experience of some of you. You've took on board some of those really grim jobs. And, and you've been under the baking sun. But now you're recruiting other people to work under the baking sun. You've gone a little bit up the ladder. You don't start at the top of the ladder. You start at the bottom. But God blesses those who do things his way. Now, the other thing is, very practically here, have you learned any Turkish? Those of you that have learned a little bit of Turkish are far more likely to get a little bit of a job here. And you're also far better at spreading the gospel as well. That's a side benefit. Well, that's a real benefit in my eyes. But they're all very practical things. Now, the workshop that we'll be running will be looking far more in practical advice of how to get work on the island. And on the island, because of the difficulty, a lot of people are doing their own little businesses. And that's great. You just need to be careful to do it in a way that's legal. But there is some very sound advice here because there are some people who just do a lot of talking. I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to be making money here, Yeah. And in Proverbs 14, it says in verse 23, in all labor, there is profit. Yeah, in all work, there's profit. But mere talk leads only to poverty. Don't just talk a good job. Do a good job. Ask God to guide you. And also in Proverbs, it says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage. But everyone who is hasty comes surely to Poverty, if you're thinking of planning your own little business idea, if you're thinking of doing something, do it prayerfully. Do it asking God to guide you and lead you. Plan. Don't do something hastily, because if you do, it can cause problems. But just alongside earning money, if you are spending wisely, yeah, then the actual amount of money you need isn't so great. And this can be a lesson that we, that we all learn. It goes back to contentment. Contentment is the issue. If, if you need money for something, the first thing you should be asking yourself is, do I really need this? Is, is this really important to me? Can I do without it? Now, I have to say, I really, really, really like digestive chocolate biscuits. Yeah? 
I'm not asking anyone to buy me any. That's not what this is about. I like digestive chocolate biscuits, yeah? And the English brand here costs 10 times as much as the Turkish alternative. If I am short of money, which of those two should I buy? You should be buying that, yeah? And in reality, you probably should be buying that and having that as a treat every now and again. Now, these things are your conscience before God. But if you are thinking of spending money, you should be saying, do I need it? Is there another alternative? Is there a better way? You see, we're stewarding what's God's. And I think some of us think we need so much more money than we actually do if we looked at how we spent it. Luke 16, verse 10, it says, the one who is faithful in the little is also faithful in much. And if we look after the little that we've got and use it wisely, God will bless us and take care of us, and he does. Uh, maybe we're in a situation where we've got a bit more resource and you can invest wisely. An investment is a righteous way of earning money. Uh, the, the talents, the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 and verse 14 through tells us that. Proverbs 31, there's a woman there who makes smart investments. Making smart investments and doing wise business is something that God Gives and some of you are real entrepreneurs, and, and you can do that. And if you do it wisely and righteously, it's great. And, and that's another subject we'll be looking at uh, at the workshops: investments in Cyprus. What you can be doing here, uh, righteously and rightly. But there's a key thing that we need to consider with all of this, and that's going back to the, the verse that uh, Michael highlighted for us as he read it: Matthew sixteen thirty-three. But seek. First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. You see, in earning money, we shouldn't put our earning money before the kingdom of God. We shouldn't put the earning of money before his righteousness. Yeah, Our attitude as God's children, as God's people, should be his kingdom first. Why should it be his kingdom first? Because he's given us everything, and he's given us his son, and he's brought us salvation. And he's our heavenly father, and our heavenly father is saying to you today, I know that things are difficult. That's where this passage comes from. The passage comes from anxiety. The passage comes from difficulty. The passage comes from feeding themselves. And God is turning to his, Jesus was turning to his disciples and saying to them, look, I will provide. You don't have to be anxious. I will take care. But this is how you do it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these other things shall be added to you. It's God's promise. I kept my promise to the kids this morning. It was easy to keep, thankfully. But this is God's promise. And God is making it. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the owner of everything. And I think sometimes we miss out on so much blessing because we don't seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we're trying to sort stuff out ourselves. We're trying to make it ourselves. We're trying to work it through ourselves, just like the family that went to Moab because they were going to sort out the problem. And it turned out wrong. It turned out a real problem. But if we're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, God has promised to take care of us. And does that mean you will all become millionaires as soon as you start doing that? No, it doesn't. It means that God will provide you what you need. And he knows what you need. 
And does it mean that some of you are going to be successful here? I'm sure it does. And does it mean that some of you may be unsuccessful and have financial hardship? It probably does. It's the way it is. Some of you will be healthy, some of you won't be healthy. But what we can say is God will add all these things and God will take care of us because this kingdom is not what it's about. It's our heavenly, eternal kingdom that we're going to. And that's why we have to go back to those principles. You could work so, so hard that you could earn yourself a million before you're 25 if you haven't got there, or 30 if you haven't got there, or 40 if you haven't got there, or whatever it is, you've got that in your mind, yeah? But what is that million, what is that billion going to profit you when they put you in that little hole in the ground? That's what life isn't about. Life is about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And in seeking first the kingdom of God, you're saying, God, I trust you. I trust you. There's been testimonies of people here who've done what seems like the silly thing. I'm not going to work in that environment because it's unrighteous. How are you going to live? I don't know, but I'm not going to do something unrighteous. They've put first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the other things have been added. God has taken care of them. God has looked after them. But so often what we do is we think, we can't trust God. We've got to do it ourselves. And God is saying, no, trust me. Seek me. I can take you. Because it means walking in righteousness. Because the opposite of walking in righteousness is doing it wrong. And I just want to quickly, quickly go through these things of how we can earn money illegitimately or earn money unrighteously. Money can be earned dishonestly. And this is happening all the time on the island. There is a mass on this island of money being earned dishonestly. Proverbs 13.11 says, Wealth gained by fraud dwindles, but the one who gathers by labor increases. Yahoo, scamming, honey traps. It is money being earned by fraud and dishonesty. It displeases God, but it also comes with a warning. And I'm learning these warnings now as I've got a, a good believing friend, a brother in the prison. And he was telling me about a, a man that is there now and he went in and he came into prison because he had defraudulently took 50,000 from somebody and was caught. Now 50,000 pounds sterling is a lot of money, yeah? Do you know how much of that he's got left now? None of it. Because the legal fees and other people have taken it all, and he's still in there for another five years. Wealth obtained by fraud dwindles. So if, if you're not going to think about God in this, yeah, just think about the consequences of it. But we should be thinking about God. It's lying. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. There's a danger these get-rich-quick schemes. People are sending them out. I keep getting these little buzzers through in my WhatsApp and there's someone promising me a great return on nothing. There's never a great return on nothing. There's often a great loss on nothing. Because suddenly they, they tell you, oh, we just need this. And you just send that. I had a client in the UK who lost £67,000 sterling because someone just kept saying, I just need this. And they promised them millions. I just need this. They promised them millions. I just need this. And coveting a pride had made them look, 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 look. And out the back door, all the money was going. Gambling. 
Gambling is not earning money correctly. Irresponsible investments. Bitcoin stock market margin training. If you don't understand it, if you're not an economist, if that's not your business, do not touch it. You are gambling. Yeah? Now, I do know there are some people who trade it. I do know some people that are educated in it. And that's different. But if, if you're just hoping that Bitcoin might go up tomorrow, you're going to get a surprise. And there's some people living with that surprise now because six months ago they got Bitcoin thinking it was going to go up. And now their, now their e-wallet is very light. It was a big e, now it's a little e because it's all... But this is the reality of it because what happens is we, we covet. We covet our neighbor's house, our neighbor's watch. And, and that's what happens with gambling and quick-rich schemes. We, we covet and we want it and... That the naive believes anything, but the sensible man considers his steps. That's righteousness. That's seeking first the kingdom of God, considering your steps. He who tills his land will have plenty, but he who follows empty pursuits, crypto, margin trading, gambling, the list goes on and on and on, in the context of outside a righteous business setting, parenthesis, will lead to poverty. A faithful man will abound in blessings, but he who makes haste to be rich will not go unpunished. And you're thinking, they're enjoying themselves in that Mercedes. They're enjoying themselves in that penthouse. They're enjoying themselves on the Instagram account. Yes, they are. But one day, they will be punished for it because God has said, And it may not be in this life. They may live to their dying breath in lavish luxury, but they've got nothing because it's all left here and they've got an eternity to pay for it. You're not to get money immorally. Immorally, selling yourself. And it may not be selling yourself physically. You might just be selling yourself online. Letting your boss have pleasure in you. These are not ways that God will bless you. And becoming a partner, becoming a, 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 a lover, becoming a boyfriend or girlfriend to a Yahoo boy or a Yahoo girl is not earning money legitimately. It's illegitimate. It's wrong. It is sinful. At best, that person is buying eye candy. It's not a gift. There's a contract. You come here. I pay your school fees. Everyone sees you as my partner. You look good on my arm. It's a temptation because there is money to be had. But it's not anything other than that person wanting eye candy, that person wanting a trophy commodity. That person has got the Mercedes, and what he needs draped across the Mercedes is a beautiful girl or a handsome man. And they want sex. And I think we need to be honest about this. Those of you that have got good, genuine businesses here, But be careful what legitimate services you offer to those Yahoo boys. Because they're pervasive and they suck you in. We need to pray that God keeps us from all unrighteousness. Sugar daddies, sugar mummies, or sometimes you just kindly call them your uncle and your aunt. (laughs) But we all know what you mean. And God knows what you mean. And that is not earning money righteously. And it's not a gift. And so we have to be careful. Investing what's not yours. Using your school feeds 
or rent for an opportunity of a lifetime. No, your school fees and your rent go to the school fees and rent. That's investing something that's not yours. Or worse still, your school fees and, and your rent being put into the offering box with a little note saying, this is my seed offering. Giving to get. Giving to get is nowhere in God's word. God blesses the cheerful giver for sure. But there's no contract. There's no contract between you and God and saying, God, look, think of it, yeah? Here, let, let, let me give you some of your money back. Now I'm going to give you your money back. You've got to give me more. That's what you're doing. That's what that mindset is saying. God, you own everything, but here, you can have this back. And because I've given that back to you so kindly out of my wonderfully gracious heart, give me, give me, give me more. And it's sinful. And it's wrong. And it's shameful. And there was that man who went onto the Dragon's Den, the entrepreneurial game show in the UK, and he pitched his great idea to the Dragons who could invest into his business. And his business plan was to set up a church. And he had a cash flow of how much money he could make out of setting up his church, setting up a church to gain money, using the pulpit to gain money, using something spiritual to gain money is illegitimate, it is wrong, and it's not godlike, and it doesn't serve you or the church well. You see, friends, it takes us all back to this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There's lots of dangerous ways out there. And friends, those dangerous ways can look very, very attractive. And I realize that, yeah? And, and, and we as a church don't have the resource to be able to provide you with all your school fees and all your needs, yeah? But we're here as your spiritual family. And if you are being tempted into any of these areas, or if you are stuck in any of these areas and you need to escape from them, come to God first and foremostly. Come to the church. We will help. We could do whatever we can to help you out of that situation. Because it's a trap. And what we long for, what we pray for, is that you, brothers and sisters, will be those who are seeking first the kingdom of God. And like the many testimonies we have here, you'll be able to say in the future, I did it God's way. And look what God has done for me. I did it God's way. And it was difficult. But look, I can sleep at night with a clear conscience and I'm looking forward to glory. Because all these things will be added to you. Amen. Our time is up. I'm going to leave you a few moments to think, and then I will just simply uh, close in prayer.